Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Chapter one, you're going to hear me saying this. I've actually been um, just into the book of Luke these last few weeks. And um, I believe that Luke one, uh, I don't know if I've ever preached on this before. I'm sure I have. It's somewhat of a popular story in a sense. Um, but, but it's something that just popped out and, and was really ministering to me and speaking heavy to me. And, and we're going to get into this in, in a moment and, and we'll read all throughout the verses that I want to make, I'll make sure I make a point, my point across on. But I started to think about this, and if I were to title this message anything, if you're taking notes, write this down. It, it was so hard for me to find the title, so I was like, ah, I guess we'll call it this. Write this down, the silent process, the silent process. Um, sometimes we think that the process or the journey of silence means that nothing is being said. Um, so let's say you get in an argument with someone and you, do, you, get, you go through the silent treatment with that person. How, how many of you have ever, have ever experienced, you've, you've done the silence treatment or you've experienced the silence treatment, All right? You know that through that silence treatment, there's a lot being said, right? There's a lot of things being spoken within it. In the midst of silence, um, there's a lot of things that are, that are truly being said. And I want to talk about that because sometimes we think that silence means that God is also silent. Um, but in reality, God is most audible in Scripture at times we see in those moments of silence. And I want to kind of get into that a little bit in a, in a weird way in a different, from a different avenue. But we'll see where we go. I started thinking about this and I said, you know, I wonder that if I came here today and I told you guys this. I said, uh, if, you, if you've lost your ability to speak for a certain amount of months, uh, what would you do? Think about that for a moment as we get into this teaching today. If you've lost your ability to speak for a certain amount of months, what would you do? How about if we add to that and we say, not only did you lose your ability to speak, not only were you, are you mute, but you also lost your ability to hear so now you're deaf and mute. All those, all, all those months, think about that. What, what would you do? What, what would go, what, what would that process look like? You being mute and deaf. Months. Think about months just sitting in your own silence. Can't speak. You can't hear. What, what, what will be of you? What will become of you? I'm thinking, right, you, you'll be absorbing and evaluating the world around you. I mean, uh, so strictly you would probably be doing that. Your senses would probably be so much more alert. People would, would you, you would study people so much more. Think, just think about what you would do. I, I kind of do that already without being mute and deaf. I can't imagine being mute and deaf, you know. And, 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 and I really want you to put yourself in that Place. I'm sure your thoughts would become loud and louder than ever before if you've lost the ability to speak. Uh, and then after a certain set of months, 
I say that your voice comes back now. After all those months without you being able to speak, now your voice comes back. Your hearing comes back. So here's, here's the question. I said, what would you do if you lost your ability to speak? But now my next question is, what would you say after coming off all those months not being able to speak? Think about that now. What would you say after not being able to hear for so many months? So many people would wonder, what is it that you have to say? Think about the day that you open your mouth and you're able to say a word again after losing the ability to speak for months. People would wonder what you would have to say. Those words that you would say would have so much value, so much weight. So many ears would be attentive to hear what is it that he, what is it that she wants to say after all these months not being able to speak, not being able to hear. We definitely want to hear from them. And I thought about that and I said, man, how foolish would it be if we waste those first words? How foolish would it be to go months without being able to communicate with anyone? And the moment that you're able to communicate, you waste it on foolish talk. You waste it on something so dumb. Think about how foolish it would be to waste those words. I'm guessing... An individual who was put in that place would go into a lot of thought, go into a lot of prayer. And when you receive your ability to speak and hear again, it would be something of great magnitude. I mean, I guess that's, that's what I'm thinking. It would be something of, it would be a, a deep revelation, right? Or something revolutionary is going to come out of your mouth. You're going to come up with some sort of invention, a, a way to solve the world's problems. I don't know. But something deep is going to come from you. And I want to make sure as we get into Luke 1 in a moment. See, I know that, that today's day, it may not seem as serious compared to if this were to happen to us some 2,000 years ago. Over 2,000 years ago. <clears throat> Today, we have technology, for example. Um, we have smart devices, as we know. And it helps us greatly with this. Smart devices nowadays, you could pick pictures and of what you want to say and it makes a whole sentence and it verbalizes it speaks out that which you can say when you're not able to speak and and so on and so forth so today's day it's a little bit easier i'm not taking away the difficulty and the hardship it is not being able to speak but it is a little bit easier or a whole lot easier to communicate if that were to happen some 2000 plus years ago because some 2000 plus years ago there was no technology you would only have what we would be considered, a, I want you to think about this. Today we have an iPad tablet. 2,000 plus years ago, you would have a wood tablet. A wood tablet that was covered in wax. And you would grab a carving material and you would write on the wax, on the wood tablet, on the wax. And on that wax, people would see somewhat of what you would be able to say or you wanted to say on that tablet. That was your tablet back then. That was the tablets that was used in Luke chapter 1. And, and, and that's what we're going to get into. So you could see the technology, though that was technology of its day, it's definitely not technology of our day today. It would be so much more frustrating if this happened thousands of years ago. You wouldn't have much of those tablets 
to go by throughout the day. You, you, you wouldn't be able to go to the marketplace and go also to the mall and go also to the guy. You would waste space on the tablet. You, would, you wouldn't have enough space to carry all those tablets. You would have to probably, wherever you go, sign. And hopefully, whatever you're trying to sign, people would understand. And, 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 and think about the frustration of what you will go to. And, and this has happened before. And I want to share this story with you because I think there's a lot to learn from it. As I've been reading through Luke and especially chapter 1, I, I wanted to be very careful to find what it was that the Lord was showing me and wanted to speak. And, and I hope this blesses you. And I started to think about all these things. And I said this to myself. I said, if he took me through this moment of silence that I, that I kind of painted for you, in which he would take away my ability to speak, I wonder if I... And I wonder if any of us would see it for what it might be. Maybe my silence before others, your silence before others, the lost ability to influence, communicate, be able to voice before others is first because I've silenced the leading, the direction, or the voice of God in my life. Why can't I communicate with others? Maybe it's because you've lost communication with God first off. So he had to silence other things so the communication between us and him could be at, at its loudest. I want us to think about that for a moment. And hopefully that's what you will learn through those months of being silent. So what happens is there is needed, there is needed a set time, a set time of quietness, you might want to call it. Not necessarily to punish you. Sometimes we think, oh my goodness, when you're silenced, it means you're punished. Not necessarily to punish you, but to teach you to hear again. To show you the places, to show you the moments where you lacked faith and where you lacked obedience. And this is interesting, as I'm kind of just building this up before we read. Because what I just said right there, where does that take an individual to? Where does that take a person to? See, many will come to this place. And I hope I could illustrate it. I hope I could explain it the way I, I was feeling it. Many will come to this place right here. And they will say things like this. They say, well, if he gives me the ability to blank, whatever it is, in this situation it's to speak, then I will show my faithfulness. Sometimes as humans, this is how we think. This is how man thinks. I need this, and if I get this, then, then things will be different. If I receive this, then I will be faithful. Hopefully, you guys will see the path where I'm on. But the Lord is different than the mindset of man. Where man says, if I could just have this, then I will be able to do that. The Lord says, no, if you're just faithful in doing that, then that's the moment when you might receive this. Sometimes we want this before being obedient to that. When the Lord first calls us to be obedient to that, so then you'll be faithful to receive this. You'll be obedient to receive this. Be faithful, and then you'll receive Maybe what he's saying is this, what you need. Be faithful, and then you'll receive that. So let me ask you. Let me ask you that. What do you feel you need 
so that you can best know him. Does anyone in here today feel that you need something to truly know him better? Do you really feel that? Do you feel you need something so that you could hear him? So that you can serve him? What do you feel you need to serve him? Some of you are like, if I could just sing like they sing, I, I, could, I could probably worship better. What? If I could just speak the way that person speaks, maybe I could speak to people more. What do you feel you need just to serve God? To hear from God? To be faithful to what he's calling you? You're going to come to learn that that's not the formula. That that's just going to be frustration for the rest of your life in Christ. Because we're going to find that there is nothing that you need. He is sufficient in all things. For all things. Amen? Let, let's read into this passage. And let the passage really speak to us. It's a lot of reading. It's a lot of thoughts that go into this reading. So hopefully you're not in a hurry today. Amen? Alright. Luke chapter 1 verse 5. <clears throat> Just read. This is um, a story of John the Baptist's father. Have you ever read this story? His name is Zechariah. Interesting. This is not make-believe. This is not written by someone. Like This is something that really happened to a, to a human being. And I want, I want us to put ourselves in his shoes. <clears throat> Chapter 1, verse 5 says this. It says, When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. And his wife, Elizabeth, was also... From the priestly line of Aaron, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's com commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple. For his order or his division was on duty that week, as it was custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, I'm on verse 11, to an angel, um, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John. How many of you could say amen? Say it again. Amen. Yeah. I'm sure about that. And you shall name him John, right? Verse 14, you will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. Took a Nazarite vow there for his son was to take. Verse 16, and he will turn many Israelites to the, to the Lord their God. Amen. He will be a man with the with spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. Man, this, imagine being the father. 
He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those. That's why he has that power of Elijah. That's the, that's the word that was given to Elijah. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. My God, yes and amen. What a beautiful uh, encounter he has with this angel in the temple where no one else is. He was chosen. He was picked on that day, that very moment, to be in that specific place where God was going to give him this message. Verse 18, Zechariah, verse 18, said to the angel, here it is. How can I be sure this will happen? Many translations other translations say it in different ways, but it all means the same thing. You want to know what that means? Show me a sign. Show me a sign. Show me a sign, which I don't want to get too much into this yet, but watch this. I'm an old man, he says now, and my wife is also well along in years. Verse 19, then the angel of the Lord said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. Can you imagine? I stand before the very presence of God. Verse 20, But now since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak mute until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. And he realized from his gestures, and they realized from his gestures and his silence, that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. How many of you are enjoying this story? What a story this is. When Zachariah's week of service, it wasn't just a day, it was a week of service. Can you imagine being asked to serve for a whole week? <laughs> he's, he, he's serving for a whole week. For a whole week. Some people are I'm like, man, you've asked me three times in a row. This is a whole week. Imagine being asked three times in a row to lead worship or something. That's, this, is, this is deep stuff here. When his week was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant, went into seclusion for five months, so she went into a quiet place. Verse 25, how kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He's taken away my disgrace of having no children. All right, so we see the story. A lot happens in between here now. The same angel goes and visits Mary. Mary gets pregnant. The angel tells Mary, hey, go visit your cousin Elizabeth now. Elizabeth too is with child. And there's a lot that happens there. She goes to visit Elizabeth. When she goes and walks into her house and begins to speak to her, inside of Elizabeth's womb, her belly begins to leap filled with the Holy Spirit and says, surely, surely you are blessed among women. And, and, and what's inside of you is the Messiah. And so on and so forth. It's crazy. Mary sees what's happening. She's like, what is going on? They're just having encounters. Okay. And it is wild. But now was the time for John the Baptist to be born. And let's go fast forward all the way to verse 57 with me. And then we're going to get into some stuff here. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. The angel was right. In the gender, it was a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. 59. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name the baby Zachariah after his father. 
But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. I'm guessing for those months in quietness, either she got a revelation from God or the wooden tablet came into play and her husband said, we got to name him John. The reason why I can't speak is because his name has to be John, okay? When everyone, anyone asks you, it's John. So when she's asked, he says, no, he cannot be named after my husband. Can you imagine Elizabeth and Zechariah must be having problems? Everyone's probably saying that in the neighborhood. Oh, the priest and his wife must be going through hardship. Because look, she doesn't want to name him after her husband. And it is, it is custom. It is custom for our people to name them after the father. Surely, sure, maybe while he was in service, there was another man. Who knows? I don't think so. Because they were known for being devout, obeying the word of the Lord. They were known for being righteous. But you can, you, people like to talk. And who knows what were some of the things that were being said. But she says, no, his name has to be John. Let's go to verse 61. When she says that his name has to be John, my translation, the New Living, says, what? <laughs> what? They exclaimed. There is no one in your family by that name. Name him after his dad. Name him after the grandfather. Name him after a man in the family. But you're going to name him after someone that none of us know? No one has that name. Verse 62. So they use gestures. What is that showing you now? It's showing you that Zechariah was not just mute. They're using gesture. He was probably also deaf. That's why I came up with the whole deaf and mute thing. So many times we focus on him just being mute. No, he was probably both deaf and mute during this time. And they asked the baby's father, and they said, what do you want to name him? So he motioned for his tablet. Remember the wooden tablet with the, with the clay on it? And to everyone's surprise, he writes, his name is John. <laughs> So good. Hallelujah. His name is John. Instantly, Zach, everyone say instantly. Yeah. Zechariah could speak again and he began praising God. Instantly he spoke and he began. Remember the questions I asked you? He began praising God. Look at verse 65 and on. All reverence fell upon the whole neighborhood. The news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events. What does that mean? They continued to speak about it. It wasn't just being spoken about during that time. For, for, for years, remember that time when Elizabeth and the whole situation with Zechariah and that boy, baby boy John, who's now getting older? It was continued to be speak about. Look what it says, spoken about. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For, look what it says. For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. So as he continued to grow, people saw the hand of the Lord upon John. And they continued to remember how it all started. How it all began. That is why people say, hey, sh share with me your testimony. What does that mean? People recognize that the hand of God is in you and they want the story of where it all began. Let's get into this story for a moment. How many of you enjoy this story? It's fun, right? love this story. God was speaking to my heart about this story. And as we read this, I want us to look at a couple things here. And there's so much more that you're going to get out of it. Because we don't have time to get into everything. And that's fine. Write notes. Do that. Do your own study on this. We could talk about it more on Wednesday when we dive into our more gathering. 
But I, I, something that catches my eye here is, here is this whole situation that happens. Here is Zechariah going into the temple. Here he is, this priest that knows the word of the Lord, who is devout, who is righteous and careful to obey. And in verse 18, just in case you forgot what we read, Zechariah says to the angel, how can I be sure that this will happen? How shall I know this? How can I be sure? He says what? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. God is in the business of that. He did it with Abraham. He's like, I did this, I did this in the Old Testament. I can still do this today. And, 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 and this is amazing. She's well advanced. We're both old. See, Zechariah, I want you to catch this. He doesn't come to immediately trust the angel's message. What happens to Zechariah? As soon as he hears all this good news from the angel, what do we see rise up in Zechariah? Instantly what? There is doubt in his response. What do we see in Zechariah truly when we read this carefully? Yes, he was careful to obey. Yes, he was a faithful man. Yes, he was a righteous man. But it didn't take away from the fact that he lacked faith in this moment. Amen? He lacked faith. Here is an angelic messenger and he's delivering a message from the Lord and the one and the one thing or the first thing that Zechariah says as one translation puts it is, do you expect me to believe this? That, that was a lot of good. Guys, if you really read this, like what the angel said wasn't something small. He must never touch wine and alcohol drinks. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he will turn away many Isra- he will turn many Israelites to the Lord. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah, who will prepare people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. If I could just be one of those things, man, I've lived a good life. But, but, but notice everything that the angel tells Zechariah and he says do you expect me to believe this also known as right aka how shall I know this aka show me a sign if what you say is true I want you to pause for a moment you are Zechariah you are in the temple where no one else can be in that part of that temple you are burning incense you're giving a weeks of your of, of your of your time a week of your service to the Lord an angel of God appears to you he gives you this a beautiful you have this beautiful encounter with him he's telling you what's going to happen to you and the first response that comes out of your mouth is show me a sign I love okay I kind of want to jump into this but let's just read scripture I love Gabriel's response show me a sign how do you expect me to believe this go to verse go go to verse 19 show you a sign everyone say show me a sign yeah. Now the angel's response, which he did not respond like this. If I was the angel, I would have been like, show you a sign. Show you a sign? Show you a sign? Look what Gabriel says. I am Gabriel who stands before the presence of God. And it was he who sent me to speak to you. I am your sign. <laughs> show me a sign? I'm your sign. I'm the angel of God who stands before. I'm the archangel. I stand before his presence every day and every night. Find me. I'm all over the scriptures. I have amazing responsibility before his presence. And he sent me with a message. And you asked me to show me a sign. I am your sign. 
At least that's what I got out of it. I am your sign. The heck you mean show me a sign? I'm your sign. Can you imagine you, an angel, like an angel, an angel, a real angel, not the Hollywood angels that are weird looking and they're, I mean, a ferocious, mighty, powerful angel that when they would appear in the Bible, many would fall to them and worship them and they would have to tell them, no, get up, I'm not the one you're supposed to worship. I mean, uh, an angel that stands, you know, they're serious when they could stand before the presence of God and they don't die. An angel appears to you, gives you a message from the Lord. Imagine you. Saying, show me a sign. See if it's really going to happen. I just came from there. I wasted my time. I should have stayed with him. It's so much better over there than it is down here. And you're asking me to show you a sign. Should have stayed there with Abba. Should have kept on flapping my wings before Abba. Here I am wasting my... You know what? You know what? You know what? Show you a sign. Shut up. Now you're not going to be able to talk until the child is born. How about that? There's your sign. You guys see what the angel did there? I'll show you. You want to see a sign? Mute. 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 I don't think he spoke like that. He had a lot of reverence, this angel. But thank God I'm not an angel. The priest Zachariah, who was chosen to burn incense before God's presence do what no other man can do listen to this he was faithful in his religious duties but yet he lacks faith and doubts the word that the Lord gives him I thought about that and I said wow we can do all we can do our duties well we can excel in religious activities and traditions and yet miss trusting his voice my God. We can do everything we do for the Lord well, well, while lacking confidence that the word has spoken to us. The word that has been spoken to us, we can lack confidence in that. While yet we're doing things for the Lord well, but yet we don't accept this well. And we lack confidence. Isn't that crazy? Think about how crazy we are as humans. Think about how messed up we are. We could serve him well in our religious duties, but yet... We don't always receive it well. Man, are we fried. Man, do we have some problems. Man. We can do everything so well for the Lord while yet lacking confidence in the word that he's spoken to us. It is possible, guys. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands how many of you guys have been there, but it's possible to happen to us. Verse 6 tells us that he and his wife were righteous and they were careful to obey all that the Lord commands, verse 6 says. They were righteous and they were careful to obey. Come on, I'm going to mess around with you for a little bit. Ever been there? Ever been there? Where, where, where have you been? You've ever been here right here? It says they were righteous and they were careful to obey. And my question to you is, ever been there? You've been faithful to the Lord. You serve with all of your strength in the temple. You give your gifts to him. You use it for his kingdom. But there's moments that you miss the mark. You are righteous and you are careful to obey. But come on. 
you, you, you're the person that you give the right advice. You may even share the gospel with people. You pray for people, like on the spot kind of prayer. Not like, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. You never pray. Like you pray for people even on the spot. People call you, they text you, they meet up with you because these people believe that you hear from God. All of these things you do, but then you notice, wait, have I heard from the Lord for myself? Do I have faith for myself in the Lord? I'm wondering if you've ever been there. Do others know me for having faith in their issues while I doubt and have no faith in my own? Zechariah was a priest. Zechariah was righteous and Zechariah was careful to obey. Zechariah was someone who was respected. Zechariah was treated with reverence. And yet, when it came to his issues, he had faith for everyone else. But when it came to his issues, he lacked faith in his own. Come on, I'm wondering if you've ever been there righteous and always obeying. I'm wondering if you've ever done so well in so many things and for so many people. But when it comes for yourself, you see yourself lacking faith and doubting. Wondering if we've ever been there. Or is it, maybe it's just Zechariah. So Zechariah tells Gabriel the angel, when in reality he's not telling angel, the angel Gabriel, it's, 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 it's a line strictly to God. And what he's really telling the Lord is, how can I be sure this will happen? Put a deposit down. That's what he's saying. If you really translate this in its proper language and you break it down, and I don't want to be so smart and pretend like I'm smart. You know, so <laughs> it's, it's basically put a deposit so I could trust that this will happen. Is the phrase that is being made there. It's like when you want to buy something, you have to first put a deposit if you want to go rent somewhere, you first put the deposit. When you want to go lease somewhere, you will put the first month. You see what I'm trying to say? To, to, for assurance is what I'm saying. So Zechariah tells him, I need assurance in what you say. Can you imagine? And, and, and Gabriel's like, I'm not enough assurance that I came from the presence of God and you want more assurance? I'm going to give you more assurance. You're not going to be able to speak now. That's how sure I am. Let's remember something that's very important because I feel like this was a const, um, an internal battle inside Zechariah and it's an internal battle in many of us, especially during the season that we're in. Let's remember what the Lord speaks through the prophet Isaiah. I'm going to read from Isaiah 55, verses 8, 9, 10, 11. Eugene Peterson in the message translation, then I'll read the last part in the NLT. But look what Eugene Peterson, how he translates it here. He says, I don't think the way you think, God says. The way you work isn't the way I work. For as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you think. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. Just as rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back until they've watered the earth, doing their work, doing their work of making things grow and blossom, producing seed for farmers and food for the hungry. Verse 11, so will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty-handed. They do, they'll do the work I sent them to do and they'll complete the assignment I gave them. The New Living says, verse 11, this way, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it will produce fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to do and it will prosper everywhere I sent it. This was a battle inside Zechariah. This is a battle in all of us. Wait a minute. God's ways, God's thoughts are actually higher and greater than mine. I have to come to really believe that. Because if not, I'm going to continue to live. Show me a sign. When in reality, his word is enough. And it's enough of the sign for me. 
How many of you live for a sign, and because you live for a sign, you've missed living in his word? You know how many people I have, I've had nowadays, I don't have any meetings with anyone, but when I was having meetings with people, you know how many times people would, would meet with me like, I just want a sign from the Lord. What do you mean you want a sign from the Lord? You need a word from the Lord. The word of the Lord is there for you. So many people live for the signs that they miss out the flashing sign that God gives us right before us. It's because people are ignorant to study. People don't want to spend time. People, people don't want to take romantic walks. People don't want to put into it. You know what I mean? People don't want to say the things that they love to hear. People don't, people don't want to just grab by the hand and just get lost with that. I mean, that's what the Word of God does. And, and sometimes when we get into this, we recognize, oh, wait a minute, I'm struggling with this stuff. Let, let's go back to verse, let's go to verse 20 here, back to Zacharias here as he's dealing with this, and many of us deal with this stuff. Verse 20, it says, but, but now the angel says to Zacharias, because you did not believe what I said, you'll be silent, you'll be mute, and unable to speak until the child is born. New King James Version says, until these things take place, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at its proper time. Because my word is his word. I'm coming as his mouthpiece. Gabriel, if you know his assignments, every, every angel that is mentioned in the Bible, you'll see that specifically each one has a specific role, duty, responsibility, and assignments that are given to him. Gabriel is known for being a messenger angel. He constantly gave messages. So we see here through the next verses that he returns home, and he is Zechariah, and as he returns home, he's mute. And as many believe, he's also deaf from the verses 62 and 63 as they were giving gestures to him. He's mute and he's deaf. He needed now to focus. He, Zechariah, needed to focus on two things. Please catch this. God's word, as we just read, was, was going to be fulfilled, was going to prosper in his life. See, God's agent, his son, his servant, specifically in this passage, is Zechariah. And this servant, this son, his agent, Zechariah, God's word was going to be accomplished. What happened was God's servant needed some pruning. God's servant needed some work, even though he was a priest and he was giving a week's service. to. I love what God is doing here. He's, what is he doing? He put on paper for us to read that here is a man that dedicated a whole week to the service of the Lord, and yet God was still going to deal with him. Because God doesn't want you to get so caught up in your talents and what you could offer him up here when the inward man is not flourishing and it's actually decaying. So many people will hide the inward decaying man with what? With fruitful external giftings. And inside, the inward man is dying. The Lord says, watch what I'm going to have to do for you for a little while. Because I get it, you're a gift to many. But as you're giving an offering for a week in the temple, you're losing one thing. You're not a gift to me. You've been picked by the order of the priest to come this week to serve in my temple. But guess what? I'm not receiving anything. Why? Because I gave you a word and you didn't receive it. You wanted me to give you a sign. You should have said, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. Why, why should I have said that? Because you know the Old Testament. Why? Because you're righteous and you're careful to obey the law. And you've seen many others in the, other, in the scriptures that you study and that you know by memory have said, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. But the day that I gave you the same message that I gave them, you said, show me a sign. You should have been the priest that said, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. I'm wondering what he's doing to the priest nowadays. 2020, the priests that are alive today, that are coming to the temple, 
those that are staying outside of the temple, whatever the situation is. Just because you're here doesn't make you better than the ones that are at home, and just because the ones that are at home doesn't make them any better than the ones that are here. That's the reality of this whole COVID-19 situation. The ones at home are not better than the ones that are here today, and the ones that are here are not better than the ones at home. The ones that are right are the ones that the fire is burning inside of them. And man, when they come to give an offering in the temple, it is pleasing to the Lord because there's already an offering in the temple. There's an offering in the temple that is burning before there's an offering in the temple that is burning. Two things. He needed pruning. Two things. The two things that he turned away from the Lord, now the Lord was going to take from him. Did you guys catch that? Man, more is going to be awesome on Wednesday. Don't you, don't you feel it? So, so think about this for a moment. What are the two things that he turned from the Lord? What are the two things he turned away from the Lord? Well, number one was his what? His words. His voice. Number two was his what? His hearing. Why do I say that? Because instead of speaking, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. Instead of agreeing with the Lord, coming into agreement. When you say, when we say something and you say, amen, you know what you're saying? Agreement, so be it. Many of us say because it's the churchy thing to do, it's the religious thing to do, it's the Christianity thing to do. But when you say that in the heavens, what you're saying is, so be it. (laughs) You're making an agreement. That's what he should have said. When the angel spoke, he should have said, amen, so be it. You know who said that? Mary said it. And you know what the angel said to Mary? You are an honorable among all women. Because you said, so be it. With the words that you said out of your mouth, let it come to pass. And because of that, Mary, you're going to be honorable among all women. She is so honorable among all women that there's a religion today that have actually made her a type of God. Which she is not a type of God, but they made her a type of God. She's honorable. I respect the mother of Jesus. Don't get me wrong. But I won't pray to her. But think about how honorable she is that man has made prayers to her. Just, just so you can know. Sometimes we bash that. Oh, man, look at that. They prayed to Mary. No. Think about who Mary was that people are praying to her. Have you ever thought about that? I don't know. That's the things I think about. So number one, the voice, the words. When, when he should have spoken, and, and he should have spoken in faith, he didn't. So what does the Lord do? He takes away his voice. When he should have heard, instead he doesn't hear. He, he chose to hear the impossibilities rather than the promise that God was given. So the Lord takes away his hearing. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, and in Matthew 7, 21, I'm going to read those two verses. In Luke 6, 46, it says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? He's teaching them something here. If you're the priest and you come to the temple and you call me Lord, Lord, you got to do the things that I say. Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who, you should say, does the will. The will of my Father who is in heaven. These are great passages. Memorize them. Know them. Especially in the context of this story. These passages and the one here in Luke chapter 1 are so important to us. Why? Because God is doing a work in Zechariah. I love that God is gracious because God didn't get a hammer and smash Zechariah. Just like God is not going to get a hammer and smash you over the head. God loves you and is gracious and he's going to comfort you and he wants to walk you through this. But guess what? He's going to do a work in Zechariah. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to do a work in you and me. He's going to do a work in us. It's a work. It's a calling that we're called to do. We're called to work. We're called called into a calling to do the things in which he says, to do the will of our Father who is in heaven. What are you called to do? 
To do the will of the Father. It's not even what the degree on your wall says. It's, it's to do the will of the Father. That is the ultimate thing that we're called to do on this earth. If it means to pack up your bag and go to another country. If it means to go out to the street. If it means to serve someone that you thought you were never going to. I don't know what it looks like in your life. But to do the will of the Father. And that is found in the deep places of intimacy and devotion. Where you truly get the revelation what I'm called to do going forward. If not, those things become religious because you miss the devotion that leads to that. When we try to go over there to get to devotion, then it all becomes a mess. Many people begin to do so that they become, and they forget that it's first you have to become, so then you can have effect when you do. And that's what Zechariah had to learn. I'm a priest that does. And God was like, but you need to first become a priest who becomes. This is so important. What does this look like in our lives? What does it sound like in the current days that we're living in? Imagine this, because we're living in some very, very, very strange days. And I really feel deep in my gut, it may just get stranger. Imagine Zechariah. For a moment. Nine plus months without a voice. Maybe without being able to hear. Imagine what that's done to him. Put yourself in his shoes. Can you do that? What would you have learned throughout those months? What a shame if you come out of those months and you're like, I didn't learn anything. What do you mean you didn't learn anything? I I quieted you. I put you in a cave. And you didn't learn anything. You didn't hear? No, you took away my voice so I couldn't... Right, because it's about you. You didn't, you didn't earn. He took his ability to speak. What would you have learned about yourself? What would you have learned about others? What would you have learned about God? What did God do here? You should write this down in your notes. It's a lot of stuff, trust me. This is a very hard message for me to preach because I have so many thoughts on this stuff. But what did God do to him? God took away Zachariah's distractions. When God wants you for himself, eventually he might take you to a place where he takes away your distractions. So what are the distractions that he takes away from Zechariah? You, sh- you should know the answer already. What are they? He would be distracted by what? He would no longer be distracted because he could no longer what? He could no longer hear. He could no longer be distracted because he could no longer speak. You're not going to waste time talking to people now. And you're not going to waste time hearing people. Imagine if you took away your sight and you couldn't be on your phone anymore. These are the things that I'm talking about. You can't watch, you can't binge anymore on Netflix. Think about that for a moment. Imagine he takes away all your senses that you, that you get distracted with. And he takes them all away so you're no longer distracted. So now here's Zechariah. He couldn't be distracted with what he could hear or would hear. And he couldn't be distracted by talking and talking to others. So what does Zechariah go through? He goes through a period where he had to gather his thoughts. He had to weigh out his heart, truly measure his faith, considered where he really was in his obedience to the Lord. He went, should write this down actually. And there's so many examples, but I won't. We won't be able to maybe do a study and on Wednesday come ready with your example. That's a great assignment for those who are coming to the more, um, to the more gathering on Zoom. But 
He went through a period as Jonah went through in the belly of the fish. He went through a period as Noah went through in the ark. He went through a period as the Israelites went through in the wilderness. He went through a period as Paul went through stuck with blindness for three days as he journeyed to Damascus. He went through a period as Jacob went through being deceived by his own uncle. Think about this for a moment. Person after person, God was dealing with them. God was showing them something. God was taking them through the season in their life. There are so many more examples. Come up with them for Wednesday. All of this was to bring forth one thing. What is it? That the purposes of God would be fulfilled in the land through his people. How many of you are praying for the fire of God to fall when the fire of God has already been born in this land? How many of us are praying, fire of God, fall? And he's like, you're my fire on earth. Holy Spirit, come. And he's like, Holy Spirit lives in you. It's here on earth. Think about how blind we are by the truth of Scripture, not recognizing that, wait a minute, it's here. It's present. So I'll say it one more time. All of this in Paul's life, in the Israelites, in Noah's, in Jacob's, in Jonah's, in Zechariah, in yours, in mine, all of this is to bring forth this very important thing that the purposes of God will be fulfilled through the land, um, in the land through his people. God's will, God's purposes, and please listen to this, never needs fine-tuning. His will and his purposes never need fine-tuning, but his instruments always need fine-tuning. You've ever been into instruments? I actually attempted in middle school to play the trombone. Oh my goodness, I couldn't memorize notes if my life depended on it. I cheated my whole way through music. Please forgive me. My buddy Nelson, I still remember his name. Nelson was an amazing trombone. I think he was, the, what is it called, the first seat? There was three of us. I was the third seat. He was the first seat. There was three of us. But I was in third place. And, um, and he was so good. And I would say, Nelson, hurry up. Because the teacher would grade us from the front. And he was like, all right, Rigo, play, your, play the notes. And I'm like, Nelson, give me the numbers. And I knew the numbers on the trombone. One, two, three, four, slide. I knew those numbers. So he would have to tell me, one, six. And I would write them with a pencil so I could erase them after. So when it was my turn, I knew the numbers. One, but I couldn't memorize the notes. I just remember, I just, yeah, I wrote down the numbers. See, <laughs> I was in it. And I remember that before we started and, at the, and when we ended, we always had to take out the spit. We had to do things. We had to tune it. Every instrument had to go through a process of tuning. Sometimes before worship team comes up here, you see the guitar player. You see them tuning instruments. Why? You see that instruments always need to be tuned. The message of God, the plans of God, the purposes of God never needs fine tuning, but his instruments will always need tuning. Just as instruments need to be fine tuned. Why does it need to be fine-tuned? By who? By the one that's playing it. We need to be fine-tuned by the one who holds us and by the one who blows and the one who speaks through us. What did the Bible say? From the dust of the ground, he made Adam. But Adam didn't start living until what? Until the musicians began to what? Blow into the instrument. When he blowed into the instrument, the instrument woke up and began to have a life. It was the breath of God that gave the instrument life. You guys understand me? Listen, the breath of God never needs fine-tuning. It is the people that the breath of God goes into, the people, we, the instruments, we need fine-tuning. Zechariah was that. He needed fine-tuning. Instruments needed to be tuned periodically. Why, um, musicians? Why? To ensure what? Huh? 
You stay in tune. Proper toning. Good. So you could play on the right pitch. Imagine that. Everyone off the wrong pitch. Hey, thank you for playing, but it didn't sound good. Everyone needs to play on the right pitch. Fine tune. Fine tune. What is that? It's to make small adjustments to whatever it is in order to achieve the best or the desired performance. Guess what? We are being fine tuned for what? So that we could enter into the place where this is our desired performance. This is what God's calling us to. How many of you could say amen? Amen. All right, let's keep going here because I could keep on on that. Verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard it, they were merciful. They've been very merciful to her. Everyone rejoiced. And the baby was eight, years old, eight days old. They circumcised him. They wanted to name him Zachariah. Elizabeth said, no, his name shall be John. What? You crazy woman. You've lost your mind. Let's go to the daddy. Baby daddy knows what's up. John, um, Zachariah, who do you say? Give me the tablet. Takes out a piece of wood with the clay on it. Gets a little piece of Wood and starts to write, his name shall be John. Everyone is surprised. And instantly when he writes the last N on the word John, he writes the N, puts a period on that sentence. Instantly he could speak again. And he begins to praise God. So beautiful. What's going on here in this passage is this, ready? This is an ancient custom. And you're to give the name of a family member to the newborn. And surely Zechariah would be a great name to give the son. Think about this for a moment. You belong to this tribe of Jewish people. You are there in the house of Elizabeth and Zechariah. The son is born. And when the son is born, like for sure his name shall be Zechariah. Why? Because everyone wants to be like Zechariah. Zechariah is the man. Don't get me wrong. And he's been doing it because he's old of age for a long time. What does that mean? He's persevered for a long time. Zachariah is legit. So if anything, this child's name shall be called Zachariah. Why? Because number one, he's the father. And number two, man, he's religious. Look what he does for the Lord. He's a priest. He's a priest of God. Priests are very uh, uh, reverent to the Jewish people. He's respected. He's religious. He's a moral man. He's, he's, he, he obeys all the law. He's, he's good at it. He's the perfect man for it. He has the perfect name. His name shall surely be Zechariah. Do you know what the name Zechariah means? Remembered of God. What better to have a child that God always remembers? Remembered of God. Name him after you. It's a perfect name with a great definition. Name him. And Elizabeth's reply back to the crowd, probably family members, people that are she's very close to. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Because when you gave birth, you know very well that those that were allowed in your room were people that what that are very close to you and have a lot of influence in you. Not just anyone can go into the room. Not just anyone sees you in the first couple days. It's the people that are very close to you that go and see you throughout the first couple days when you give birth. So you know that those that are in our house are people that are very very influential to Elizabeth, people that she loves and people that love her. I'm trying to build up the story so you could see that it's not just a story that was written by a man and has no existence ever. No, it, this actually really happened. And Elizabeth, in the midst of everyone there in the crowd, says, No, it's John. That's enough. Drop it. But it's not enough for the people. They thought she was crazy. I believe that, though it doesn't necessarily say it. Though the what in there shows me they thought she was a little nuts. You've lost it because I heard, I heard for months when you got pregnant, you got secluded. Do you guys remember when I read that? It says that she went and got secluded for a little while. I'm wondering if they thought she even went and hid herself for a few months. I'm wondering if God was dealing with her because I'm wondering if she was saying, you know what? I'm an old woman and I've been barren. 
I've never been able to have children. Now my old age, I have a child. I got to go hide myself because I would hate for people to see this and then I lose this and I continue to be the laughing stock. I'm wondering then if her hiding in seclusion also had to do with her lacking faith. You wouldn't understand that maybe unless you were a woman, unless you've gone through something like this. But man, this is a serious situation for many people. And this was a very serious situation for Elizabeth. We have to understand the sensitivity behind this. It was a very sensitive moment. But in this moment, when finally the baby comes, she says, no, it's John. They probably thought she was crazy or even went to seclusion, not knowing that her seclusion was because God was really dealing with her. And what do they say? Well, this is what we'll do. They turn their back on Elizabeth. They look at Zachariah and they say, Zachariah, you're the pop. You're the one that needs to decide. Come on, daddy. What's the name? Your wife has probably lost her mind. She's not doing good. Grab the tablet that's next to you and write on the tablet what his name shall be. Your boy. What's his name? The only boy that you have. The one that should carry your name, the one that should carry your legacy. Come on, it's Zechariah, right? Write it down. Verse 63, he probably writes in caps letters and highlights it with his highlighter. He says, no, his name shall be John. And they're like, who's John? We've never heard him. Not in this family. He's like, because you're operating in the wrong family. I got the revelation. I'm operating. And what does the name John mean? John means God gives grace. Think about John's ministry, John's life. And his name means God gives grace. Not only, not only does his son John give reminder to his father every day how God has graced him, Zechariah, through his doubt and being faithless, but John's life, his ministry, God gives grace, would be an offering of grace to those that hear him to those that he would prepare for the coming of the Lord. He was what we would know in Scripture as the herald. He was the mouthpiece. He was was ushering in what, for those that know? The first coming of Jesus. He's, He's ushering in the coming of Jesus Christ onto this world. God incarnate. God in the flesh. And he was the one that was going to grace the world with that message. That is the most important ministry, I believe, on planet Earth. Why? Because we're all John the Baptist today. What are we doing? We all are what? Speaking of the coming of the great Lord on the earth. We still have the same message. It's the greatest message on earth. God graced them. What a blessing for us today. Notice Zechariah in this passage didn't speak John's name. He didn't speak John's name. He what? He wrote John's name. Was he able to speak when he said John? You see, this is very powerful because some of us would think this, right? If you give me a voice, maybe I'll name him. And God just says, no, name him, and then I'll give you a voice. See, nothing's going to stop me now. I've been secluded and I've been mute and I've been in silence for a long time. I know now what I have to say. Give me a tablet. He writes John and instantly, I believe that that word instantly is exactly what, 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 what it says it happens. Instantly when he wrote the end and the period, words came out of his mouth. And the first words that come out of Zechariah's mouth, he is able to speak and he begins to praise God. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, because he was a well-studied man. 
as we know as a priest. I'm thinking, obviously, he knew the scriptures well. He was a well-studied man. And I believe that his heart went directly to Psalm 100. I'm going to get ready to close. And in Psalm 100, look at verse 1. It's going to come up on the screen. You should write this down in your notes. You tell me if you think Zechariah went straight to this passage. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. I believe that's exactly something that happened inside Zechariah. Lord, Lord. So look how important this is. As Luke emphasizes the greatness of John's fame, verse 66, we're, gonna, we're coming to a close here. Luke emphasizes, the writer of Luke, Luke emphasizes the importance of his fame, John the Baptist. And look what it says. It says, everyone who heard about it reflected on the events. And they asked, what will this child turn out to be? Look what they say next. For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. So good. So here's somewhat of my last thoughts. It's a lot, but it's my last thoughts. It wasn't until Zechariah came into agreement with God. It wasn't until he submitted himself to the Lord. I believe... Just flow with me here. Please, don't just judge me right off the bat. I want you to really kind of dig into what I'm trying to say here. I believe as his wife was with child growing throughout those nine months pregnant, Zechariah was going through a very similar process with the Lord. I believe that as she was carrying something special, I believe in him being mute, I believe that he too began to carry something within him that was very special. From Did you notice that she wasn't the only one getting pregnant in this story? In this story, two people got pregnant. One was Elizabeth, the second one was Zachariah. One was physical, the other one was spiritual. I don't know if you guys caught it. Zachariah needed to get pregnant. With each day, that which Zechariah was muted and heard from the Lord, which each day continued to grow. When is he going to be born? 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 Because until he's born, I can't speak. It was growing. It was growing. It's like the mother that says, when is he going to be born? When is she going to be born? When is she going to be born? Because until she or he is born, I can't be mom. And Zechariah, there was something inside of him that was growing for months. With each day, he was, he was waiting for the moment that he would not fail again. I, the last time, think about this. Put yourself in Zechariah's shoes. The last time I spoke, I failed God. But the next time I speak, watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to come in alignment with God. <sighs> come on, when am I going to speak again, God? I can't wait to show off. The word of God. 
the name that God gave me. Did you notice that when he spoke John or when he wrote and began to speak and it was John, it didn't make sense? Why? Because God was going to show him it's not about you anymore. Now you got the revelation that it's about me. When am I going to speak again? The last time I spoke, I did it wrong. Some of us feel like, man, the last time I spoke, I did it wrong. So that means I guess I shall never speak again. Shame. Shame on us if we think that way. Just go through the process in which he's taking us. Go through the journey and maybe it's a journey and a process of silence but know that the next time you speak if you learn well through the journey and through the process you'll come to alignment with God but not if you don't go through it don't skip it you can't just skip the process I'm sure the Israelites wanted to skip the wilderness I'm sure Jonah wanted to skip the belly of the fish. I'm sure Jesus would just want to skip the cross and the beatings. But you got to go through the process. He was waiting for the next moment where I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to doubt. The moment in which has been growing so intimately within him. Listen to the choosing of words. I'm not just using words flippantly here. The moment in which he was been growing so intimately within him would finally have a chance to come out. I believe Elizabeth and Zechariah, yes, they both gave birth that day. Elizabeth gave birth to a physical promise the Lord spoke to Zechariah. Zechariah gave birth to a faith that would allow the promise take that allow the promise to take form. Let's pause for a moment. Can you imagine if Zechariah? On the tablet, writes down Zechariah. Can I ask you a question? Seriously, Tito, think about this for a moment. If Zechariah on the tablet writes, you know what? Forget what the angel said. I'm going to write Zechariah. What, what happens? Not only does he mess up the plans that God has for him, but because of his father's disobedience, he's going to mess up the purposes that God had for his son. I love the people that are like, ah, you know, these crazy people that they talk about fathering and son. No, no, fathering and sonship is all over scripture. See, the son needed the father to name him so that the son could finally live into what his name meant. But if the father did not name him that, the son, would he have ever, would he have ever? Because you see, God could say, you're disobedient. My word will not return Void, my, my word will be accomplished. You missed it. Because he did that to someone before. He chose, they chose Saul to be the king. They anointed him king. And they said, because you did that, now it's going to skip your lineage. And it's going to go to a man that's greater than you that I'm going to give the throne to. And his name shall be David. I don't doubt for once that God was like, oh, man, I really wanted to use this family. You should have been obedient. I'll use the next family. Think about that for a moment. We could have more discussions on that. This is deeper thinking when you read the scripture. Elizabeth gave birth to the physical promise the Lord spoke to Zechariah. Zechariah gave birth to a faith that would allow that promise to take form. He had to name him John, not Zechariah. What's the big deal? It's just a name. My gosh, who cares? Maybe in 2020 it's just a name. But it's not just a name in these days. 
What was it? It was a mindset. It was a lifestyle. It was an agreement. Listen to this. I wrote this down and I hope it does a good definition of what, I, what I'm trying to say. It's a public display of an inward surrender that occurred in, his season, in this season of his life. He had to learn and he had to show others that it wasn't about his agenda for his son on this earth. It was about God's agenda for his son on this earth. So what does he do? Look at this. This is what obedience, this is what surrender, this is what faith and confidence in the Lord looks like. His name shall be John. Wow. The name will live out its purpose to do what it's meant to do. God gives grace. Just as Moses' name to draw out of water would also live to do what it was called to do. Just as Jesus was to deliver and rescue as he is the deliverer and rescuer. Every person in the Bible. There's a reason why I named my child Jackson and Jade love and legend. There's a reason for that because I have a little bit of a weird mentality because I see in the Bible that if you name the child right, man, they have a tendency if you raise them up right, man, they'll follow the, they'll follow the recipe of their name. That's what I see in scripture at least. But what happens here in this passage is the son needed his father to usher this calling for him. His father needed to trust and have faith in his father for the plan that he would usher through him. Put that into thought and what that means for fathers in this room, for future fathers in this room, for sons in this room. We'll have a dialogue on that on Father's Day because we'll, we could get lost there and make a left turn. But Zechariah didn't need to talk. Listen, so important, I'm ending. He didn't need to talk in order to be faithful. He didn't need to talk in order to obey. He needed just to be faithful, to have faith, and then he would be given the ability to talk. What, what am I trying to say with that? I guess as I close is this. Don't ever neglect your journey. I feel like planet Earth, the United States of America, and every single one of us, we are all in a season and in a journey of our lives. We're in this journey now. Do you think for once God's like, that one kind of snuck up on me? It's part of the process. I love that I'm speaking about being silenced and I'm looking at a room with people that are wearing masks. I heard one preacher, not me. I heard one preacher say, God is allowing us all to wear masks again so we can stop saying stupid things. <laughs> That was another preacher. But here we are. And we're all wearing masks. All of us. It's almost like he's doing something, isn't he? It's almost like he's doing something on this earth. It's almost like he's doing something in our families, isn't he? Anxiety has gone up in families. Depression has gone up. People have lost their jobs. People are losing their churches. Man, there's a whole bunch of stuff happening on this, in this world today. We're all wearing masks everywhere we go. We're washing our hands a hundred times a day. When we find out someone gets sick, it's like leprosy. 
We have to stay away from them. We have to be very careful. I mean, we're living in some very strange days. God kind of did something like this to Zechariah. He put a mask on him, didn't he? He put something around his mouth and he says, Shh, I'm taking you through a season. Shh. I almost feel like we're in a season. We're in a process that he's taking us. I want to ask you a very serious question. I love you, but I want to ask you this. I wonder how, I wonder what's going to, I wonder what's going to come of us in this season. What's going to come of you? Because in this season, listen, listen, in this season as well as seasons of the past, we're still called to be obedient in it and faithful in it. What does that look like for us? I still have to be faithful and obedient in what the Lord is calling me to do. Think about what that means for us, for you, for your family, for yourself. Everything has just paused and everything has been magnified. And all I could say here is don't neglect your journey, man. If you feel you're silenced, if you feel like the Lord has been silenced, I'm telling you that He's teaching us to retreat from all the noise. And to focus on what really matters. And what really matters, Zechariah, was not that you go back to the temple and you speak again in the temple. Actually, you know what, Zechariah? Go back to the temple and shut up. Shut up. Just shut up. In your temple. Just shut up. And start focusing on what really matters. And what is it that really matters? I just want to take off the mask already. I just want to be able to go have a party. I just want to be able to eat at a restaurant. I want to just touch people again. I just, I just want things to go back to the way that they were. And maybe he's just teaching us to retreat from all the noise. To focus on something to his heart that really matters. And it's not into the luxuries and to the blessings that this world gives us. But it's to the greater blessings that heaven gives us. And focus on intimacy and devotion and friendship and sonship. And when you got all those things, you're going to recognize that the barbecue party does not matter as much as sonship does. You're going to recognize that the restaurant didn't matter as much as devotion does. You're going to recognize that nothing that this world and that your city that it could offer you matters as much as being intimate with me does. Let me just get to a place where I take you through a journey and through a process where I can shut the noise so that you can finally come to the place and know me for who I am. So why am I depressed and why am I anxious and why are we losing jobs and why, why, why? Because God is stripping us and showing us what's really inside of us and it's not Him. It needs to be him it needs to be him I'm anxious because he's not there I'm tired of saying oh anxiety is 
just a, it's just a doctrinal thing and people just struggle with it. Man, anxiety is because he's not there. Depression, yes, it's because he's not there. He needs to be there. He's got to take us to the, to the things that really matter, man. Jesus says it with his own words in John 14. 26, he says, man, there's a helper. The Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name. And he's going to teach you all things. And bring to you remembrance all that I said to you. But go through the process. Let him teach you. The Holy Spirit is here. Don't... Don't feel for once that the Holy Spirit is not here. I wish I could stand here and lie to you and say, I know what the future is going to look like. Obviously, the president of our own nation doesn't even know what it looks like. Nobody knows. God does. The Holy Spirit leading us in the process does. How many are, this is such a weird question to ask. Maybe I should have said it, wrote it differently. I was going to ask how many are in the process. <laughs> but then I'm like, wait a minute, we're all in this process. We're all in this journey. We're all in this path. How many of us just need to pray, Lord, help me to surrender so that I could come out of this or I could come into this and finally live in what is greater obedience in my life? Hallelujah. Come on, you should just start praying right there where you're at. Lately, we just rush through services. Lately, we just rush through conversations. Come on, how many of you just need to have an encounter with God right now? We, don't, we could sing, we could stay here for however long you want, but how many of you just need to, to really come before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm not asking for you anymore to show me a sign. Some of us have been for five months since this has started. Lord, just show me a sign. Lord, show me a sign. And the Lord's like, a sign? Who do you think allowed this to come? This is the sign. This is the sign. Sons and daughters, this is the sign. Many people are saying, we're going to get out of this, and we may. We have to. But I will be the first to tell every single one of us, just because we get out of this one, don't think that it's not to enter another one. Be very careful. The people you listen to, the things that falsely tell you things, does not mean that it's all will end. But what does it mean to get better within? What does it mean? This process, this silent process, this, this mask, this time of being masked. What does this mean for me? What does this mean for my family? What does this mean for my career? What does this mean for my calling? How many of you are thinking that already? Come on. What does this mean for me? I'll never look at a mask the same. I'll never look at a, a bottle of sanitizer the same again. I'm, 
I'll go through withdrawals and I'll go, I'll go, I'm going to go through we're going to go through flashbacks when we see bottles of sanitizer and masks in the field. I don't know, man. Just No, don't give me a sanitizer. Come on, what, what does this season mean? Where are you at right now? What is the Lord revealing? Where is the Lord showing? You're not the only one that's tired. I'm tired, man. You're tired, I'm tired, we're tired. A lot of us, man. Tired. Some of us are hurting. We're sad. We're having breakdowns. Everything is trying to keep going forward as normal, but nothing is really succeeding in trying to be normal. Everything's weird, strange. I can't share something and pretend like the reality of the life that we're in today is not before us, is not present before us. But at the end of the day, what is he showing you? What is he, what is he doing? What is he speaking? What is he saying to you? What is happening within you? Hopefully we get the revelation of Lord. I'm so much like Zechariah. I'm so much like Zechariah. He was a good man. He, he really loved you. He's, he was careful to obey. He was a righteous man. But there was still so much work in him to really transform him into your image. And Lord, there's, there's still so much work in the church, so much work in us. Each one of us, the church. You guys are done there. You guys want to keep praying. Just feel free. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Lord, for your promises are yes and amen. Your promises are yes and amen. Thank you, Jesus. strength, give strength to everyone in this room, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, move, Holy Spirit, move, Holy Spirit, move, oh, lead us, teach us, teach us, lead us, guide us, Holy Spirit, protect us, protect us, Holy Spirit, let there be faith, let there be faith, boldness and confidence. Let there be rest, let there be rest in this place. You know what they need, you know what they need, you know what they need. Oh, 
Within me, praise His name. 
pray for all of us that are here, those that are be watching, those that will watch that, that Lord we would find faith in this encouragement in this Lord that, that this silent process would be for the good in all of us Lord that you would do the necessary work that needs to be done and that the image of Christ would be seen in this world and it begins it's in our very own homes, with our very own families, with our very own communities. Lord, there's so much prayer to go forward, Lord. You know the hearts of your people. You know the deep cry. Lord, we just love you and we thank you and we honor you, Lord. We give you honor and praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll let the worship team sing over us again. We love you guys. I would tell you guys to greet one another, but we hate one another. Hallelujah. Whatever comes, 